You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. We live in times of trouble. Yeah. Yes. We talked about this last week when we began this, this subject of the peace you need for the trouble you have. And looking at Judges chapter 6, it was very clear that the children of Israel were in a place of trouble. Yeah. They had been going through a, a cycle uh, where they would get into a place of, of rebellion, and then there would um, God would then use someone to uh, rebuke them, Amen. And then there would be retribution. They would they would get the just desserts for their behavior, and then they would cry out for relief. And God, in His mercy and His grace, would provide. A relief and then they would be okay again and so they would do this this cycle where they would have a judge and then they would live in the scripture says in peace and then they would rebel again and then God would have to bang them again and then they would have to cry out to him again and in his mercy and his grace he would uh, provide relief and send them another judge and they would get back on track but over and over and over a disturbing history of defiance yeah And, and it's always, the things that are written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience yeah. and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Romans 15 and 4. When you see the children of Israel, see yourself. Amen. Let's not divorce. He was like, how could they just be so hard-headed? And then God is saying, how could you be so hard-headed? How could, how could, they, how could they deny what God was doing and, and, and they wouldn't, they, you know, why were, they, why were they following him with all that God gave them? And God could say, I've given you my very spirit that lives in you. How could you deny the Holy Spirit, the, the, the comforter, the one that provides counsel and comfort and conviction that abides with you and you still don't listen to me? So again, I, I want us to see ourselves when we see the children of Israel. Amen. I want us to reflect in such a way that we're internalizing how they did things and how we do things. Amen. This disturbing history of defiance is a disturbing history that we also share because we don't do what we're supposed to do either. And many times because we do what we want to do and not what God wants us to do, we find ourselves in trouble. Amen. And this particular trouble that the children of Israel came to in Judges chapter six is that trouble that comes from trespass. Amen. And we talked about that. And I'll just refresh you again that when you are in a place of trouble and we talked about it, we've got environmental trouble and we've got political trouble. We've got economic trouble. We've got relationship trouble. Specifically, we've got racial trouble. Amen. We've got we live in very troubled times everywhere you look. There's there's not a lot of encouragement that you can see about how this world is going. It literally is a time of trouble and in times of trouble the one thing you need more than anything is peace <laughs> but when you're in a time of trouble you and I need to make an assessment is that trouble from trespass if it's trouble from trespass beloved God wants you to do one thing and that's repent 
He wants you to repent. He wants me to repent. Many times he, he sends trouble into our lives to get our attention. Amen. And trouble from trespass is from sin, past sin, and stupidity. Amen. Those are really the things. Say, sometimes you just do stupid things, and I do stupid things, and we, and we bear the consequences for doing what, what, what we've done. You cannot have an automobile and never, ever change the oil. And then when your car and, and, and the engine block freezes up or you're on the Dan Ryan and you have trouble, now you're looking at God as if God has done something to you. And he simply says, had you changed the oil? Stupid. Well, he won't call you that. I will. That trouble could have been avoided. Amen. You don't need that trouble. Late night. Now you cussing God out because your car is on the side of the road. He said, just put oil in the, in the car. We didn't have to. We didn't have to go through this. There's so many times in your life that we're going through things because we have trouble from trespass. And if we do that, he says, I just want you to repent. I want you to reflect on what you did and I want you to get on my page. I need you to pivot out of this situation. I need to get you from where you are to where you need to be, which is on my page. But sometimes trouble happens and you are on God's page you are doing what you're supposed to do and in those cases when it's either because of trial he's giving you a trial like he did Job and it has nothing to do with you but has everything to do with what is going on in the heavenlies and when he said have you considered my servant Job and as I just told God just yesterday please don't consider me for anything please don't consider me Ignore me if you put, don't consider me, please don't, because then you're in trial. Or if you stand for truth, we live in a world where, where when you stand for truth and everything in culture is going away from God, and when we stand for the truth of God, we will have trouble, amen? Trouble's coming to our door. We're not going to be able to avoid the fact that there are people in this world culturally that say, I want you to make a decision. Are you with us? Are you with God? And I hope you'll be able to say, I'm with God. And if you say you're with God, you're going to have trouble. That's truth. That's trial. And then there's training. God always prepares you for what he has prepared for you. And when you are training, it can feel like you are getting ready to die because God has got you in a place where he has on that hat that says coach and he has that whistle that says I need you to run another one and another one another 200 another 400 I need you and you and you're so exhausted but he's training you for what you need to do he always prepares you for what he has prepared for you and in those cases God is not doesn't need you to repent God needs you to do something else he needs you to remain Truth, trial, training. God is looking for you to remain. It feels like trouble. It smells like trouble. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. But God says when, 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 when I'm bringing you through something, trust me, I'm doing it not so that you'll break down. I'm doing it so that you'll break through. I'm not doing it so that I'm putting a stumbling block in your life. I'm doing it so that I might give you a building block in your life. So once you and I make an assessment of trouble, then we know what we need to do. But these are times of trouble. And a lot of the trouble in your life, unfortunately, just like a lot of the trouble in the children of Israel's life, is self-inflicted. 
Nobody's training you right now. You're just being stupid. It's trespass. And when you have trespass, you need to get out of, come on, somebody, trouble. Gideon is there, and Gideon is threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. It says in verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, here's where I'm excited. You, you may not be excited yet, but I'm excited. Because whether your trouble is from trespass, truth, trial, or training, the God of peace will still show up. God loves you so much that he will reveal himself as peace in the midst of your trouble, whether you cause the trouble or not. Because he's in relationship with you, beloved. He, he loves you, beloved. And so he shows up and says, the Lord is what? With you mighty warrior. I told you last week, the first thing that the God of peace does in your time of trouble is he shows up and he reveals your favor. Listen, you are who God says you are. He called him mighty warrior. Gideon was like, you talk, you, oh, you're talking to me. Because I figured there must be a mighty warrior behind me because I'm down here in the, I'm, I'm threshing this, 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 this wheat. And he says, I'm the, I'm the least in my family and my clan is the least in my tribe. I mean, we, we're, literally, we're literally nothing and you're telling me I'm a mighty warrior. You have to believe God's confession about you. Amen. Who are you going to believe, the God that you serve or your lying circumstances? Because your circumstances may not line up yet with what God said, but you need to hold on and remain until what God says about you is revealed in your circumstances. This is not the time to throw the pity party. This is not the time to say, what if, if, when, if, why, if, how. And that's what Gideon did. And that's what we often do. But sir, if the Lord is with us, then why? Has all of this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of Midian. Sounds like Gideon is doing a little bit more than just saying what's going on. He's putting the blame on God. Have you ever done that? When you looked at God and said, if, if. I am who you say I am, then, then, then why don't I still have a job? If I'm a mighty warrior, why don't I have a job? Why is every relationship I've ever been in could be characterized as a broken relationship? Why don't I have a spouse? Or you might add us a worse question, why do I have a spouse? Dear, dear, dear. You cry out, why do I have a spouse? <laughs> Why am I dealing with foreclosure or bankruptcy or why do I have these health challenges or why is everybody in my circle? Why am I finding out it seems like more and more right now today that, that our prayer list as we pray on Saturday mornings at, at the men's Bible say it's dominated by health concerns. Two people on our prayer list that have had brain hemorrhages and, and brain surgery and, and dealing with so many, so many different things. We're dealing with cancer and we're, and we're dealing with this all kinds of, uh, all kinds of health related trouble. If you are, if we are who you 
say we are. If we're your people and you love us and you care about us, we want to ask the question, then why are we going through so much trouble? And it's a legitimate question. It's one that Gideon asked, but you, I want you to remember that God will reveal your favor. You are who he says you are, and you have to wait and remain until your circumstances change. He's not looking for you to get off the altar living sacrifice, Romans 12. That's the hard thing about a living sacrifice. It's still alive when you put it on the altar. And when that heat hits, you want to get off. God says, I need you to remain. I need you to, I beseech you there for our brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which, by the way, is your reasonable service. Amen. And so God says, I need you. I need you to remain. But but here's something else that God does. And, and, and I'm so excited about it that when God shows up in a time of trouble, not only does he reveal your favor. The second thing that God does is he removes your fear. Gideon realized that. The angel of the Lord, I'm in verse 22. He said, oh, sovereign Lord, I have seen the, the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. God needs to remove your fear because fear is a terrible motivator. When you get into a place of fear, you ultimately make terrible decisions. Terrible decisions. What you're likely to do, four things really. You, you, the first thing, when you, when you get into a place of fear, you just freeze. It's like I can't move, I can't feel my legs, I can't, I can't, I'm supposed to, I think I'm supposed to leave in this place, but, 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 I, but I'm frozen, I'm paralyzed with fear, that happens. Other times you just flee. That's the black response. Amen. I don't even know what's going on over there, but we're going to run. And then once we get way back over here, then we'll find out, as Cedric the Entertainer says, what we were all running about. Amen. We, we just get out. We just flee. That's why you can't have us in a movie that, that has something scary happening because the movie's only five minutes long. We see it, we leave, they roll the credits. We don't investigate, we don't do all of that. So we either it's freeze or we flee. The other thing that you'll do, and this is tragic, is when you're in a place of fear, you'll fight. But you'll fight whoever's right in front of you. You might inappropriately fight your spouse or your friends or your neighbors. When you get to a place of fear and think about our country, we are in a place where our politics are dominated by fear. Fear is the motivator for how 45 motivated a lot of folks. Amen. And when we have fear in the in the system, then it's like what what? It being a poor motivator, it will lead you to fight. Fight somebody that you shouldn't fight. Fight somebody that you should try to understand or build a bridge with. But, but when fear is in the system, 
You either flee and you freeze, you fight, or the last thing you do is you'll flip out. You'll just flip. And then again, you start accusing those that you shouldn't accuse and you start interacting inappropriately. Fear, beloved, is a bad motivator. It is a poor motivator. The best motivator is always love. Amen. And that's why we spent a couple of weeks talking about that God has no greater love. There's no greater love that God has. And love is the motivator for him in terms of him. As I reminded you, love is God's glory aid. It helps you to get to a place where you can do the things that you're supposed to do for the purpose for which you were designed, which is to give him glory. And so he loves you so much that he can get you back to a place that because of sin, you've fallen short, but you've fallen short of the glory of God. He wants you to get back to a place where you can do your job. A great motivator is love, not fear. And just to throw in as a bonus, not guilt. Guilt is a poor motivator too. Amen. Parents, parents, we do that a lot. Well, I guess, uh, you know, I, I raised you, so I don't, you know, you can't just call on a Saturday just to check and see if I'm still alive. Maybe I just slipped away into nothingness. I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. Oh, yo, okay, don't worry about me. I just had 17 hours of labor to pull your big head out of my body. But, I mean, all I'm asking for is somebody take me to the grocery store. <sighs> yes, Mom, I'm coming over. Guilt's a poor motivator, but, but actually it works. What are you going to do if, if she tells you that? <laughs> I was thinking about guilting my oldest son. I haven't talked to him. And I started to send him a text today. I was going to be like, I guess if your father could be dead. You, you wouldn't know. You, you watching the news? You want to see? Is dad dead? Because I haven't heard from you. But I didn't do it. I just said, I love you and I miss you. But I wanted to say something else. I'll guilt him when I actually talk to him on the phone, whatever that'll be. Amen. But I digress. Listen, so fear has to be removed because you cannot do what you need to do if you're in a place of fear. You know, in Psalms 23, as you recall, it says, he leadeth me besides the still water. He um, he restoreth my soul. He he causes me to lie down in green pastures. That's what I was going to say. Sheep will never lie down if they're not free from fear. You can't, a shepherd can't get a sheep to lie down unless they're free from fear. They got to be free from friction. They got to be free from foraging. They got to be free from flies. That's the, that's the bonus track. Amen. But I'm telling you, free from fear because they, 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 if they think that the enemy is going to get them, if they're concerned about their welfare, they'll never lie down. They'll never relax. You'll never ever have peace for, for a sheep. Peace is being able to lie down and, and knowing that the shepherd is watching, that the shepherd has taken care of everything. You cannot do that unless your fear is removed. That's why Jehovah Shalom shows up and says to you in the time of trouble, I need you to understand do not be afraid. That's no small thing, by the way. You need that in a time of trouble more than anything else to say, do not be afraid. But beyond that, there's a third thing that, that God provides as Jehovah Shalom. 
It's not just that he reveals your favor. It's not just that he removes your fear. He also rebukes. He rebukes your flesh. He rebukes your flesh. What am, what, am I, what am I saying to you? You look at verse 22 and he says, don't be afraid. You, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and he called it the Lord is peace. To that day, it stands in Ophir of the Abyssalites. And so Gideon worshiped, Gideon worshiped. But God said, that's not enough. That private worship is not going to be enough. I need you to take it a step further. Amen. And the rebuke comes when he says that same night, the Lord said to him, take a second bull from that herd and tear down your father's altar and your and the Asherah pole, Asherah pole and using the wood of the Asherah pole, cut down and offer a second bull. And so you see that Gideon moves, but he he moves in fear because in verse 27, it says Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather in the daytime. But again the rebuke comes when he says Gideon we can't have a private worship party I need you if the God of peace is going to be able to flow and do what he needs to do in your life I need you to to understand that you got to go beyond just the first step amen and let me tell you this the rebuke of your flesh in your life is that peace only comes through reconciliation you cannot have peace without reconciliation you can have the absence of tension you can have a place of calm but unless you are reconciled and i mean reconciled fully you will never see the god of peace do all that he can do in your life and that reconciliation is on three levels and this is so important it's so powerful it's so distinct he says you got to be reconciled to me you got to be reconciled to others and you've got to be reconciled to your circumstances you didn't hear me you've got to be reconciled to him that's what Gideon was doing in terms of worship but he says I gotta I gotta I'm giving you a rebuke here it's not enough to just be reconciled to me you got to be reconciled to others and baby if you want the peace of God to flow in your life you have got to be reconciled to your circumstances and trust me that last step is the hardest step they go increasingly harder okay now you've been reconciled to God beautiful I'm so happy for you you've been reconciled to God but you're still beefing with everybody else not enough there's the rebuke you can't have the peace of God in your life if you're just reconciled to him but not reconciled to others okay you're doing a better job of being reconciled to others you understand mercy and grace and you're starting to extend it you're starting to reflect the character that Christ has but you you, you you're getting that but you're still not reconciled to your circumstances because you keep asking God the same questions if I am who you say I am then why is this not happening why can't I get out of this he says I don't want you to get out I want you to remain because I'm trying to get you to see something I want there's something I want you to know about me there's something I'm trying to grow in you there's something I'm trying to show others and I need you to remain in order to do it wherefore remember 
that in times past, ye being Gentiles in the flesh, which are called uncircumcision, but that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make of twain one new man. So making peace and that he might reconcile both uh, to God and one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace unto you which were afar off and to them which are nigh for through him he uh, hath we both have access by one spirit unto the father peace 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 Jesus Christ is our peace and because we accept it on that first level he is that peace that we need to be reconciled to God and then it says Jesus goes further and that that's in Ephesians chapter 2 11 through 19 I think it is and and then he says but I've also broken down the middle wall of partition between particularly Jew and Gentile my peace can overwhelm every situation so now that if you operate in my peace I'll be able to break down the walls between Jew and Gentile between Jew and Samaritan all of the hate all of the things all of the racial strife all of the posturing that we're doing all of the the rural versus urban and the southern and the northern and the black and the white I can get rid of all of that stuff if you let me be your peace and that middle wall of partition I will break it down and then I'll slip over to Philippians chapter 4 and tell you and may the God of peace be with you. May he supply everything that you. I've learned how to be what? Content in every situation, whether I abound or I am abased. I have learned the secret to being content. That is, I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. The scripture is telling us that if you want the peace of God to flow, you have got to be reconciled to God. You've got to be reconciled to one another and you have to be able to excel and be able to be reconciled to what, where you are in your circumstances if you are supposed to remain. That's no hmm, small thing. Horatio Spafford was born on October 20th, 1828 in New York. Successful lawyer uh, who maintained a keen interest in Christian activities and deeply spiritual and devoted to the scriptures. Sometime in 1871, you might have heard of this, there was a fire in Chicago in 1871. It was uh, the great fire. Uh, Minister Tim was, was, was just a little boy when the, when the fire hit in 1871. He can talk to you about that after church. But, 
But the fire de- heavily devastated the city, and, and months be- before that, Spaf- Spafford had invested hugely in real estate on the, on the, on the shore of Lake Michigan, and the, the disaster greatly wiped out his holdings. And actually, before the fire, he also experienced the loss of his son. Two years after the fire, Spafford planned a trip to Europe for him and his wife. He wanted uh, rest for his wife and his four daughters and also to, ex- uh, to assist uh, D.L. Moody, who founded Moody Institute, and, and another believer in some evangel- evangelistic campaigns in, in, in London, in Europe. The day they were supposed to depart, Spafford had a last-minute business transaction and had to stay behind in Chicago. Nevertheless, he sent his wife and four daughters to travel as scheduled on a ship called the SS Villa de Harve. And he was expected to follow on a few days later. And on November 22nd, that ship was struck by another ship, the Lockhearn, and it sank in a few minutes. After the survivors were finally landed somewhere in Wales, Spofford's wife sent a cable to her husband with two simple words, saved alone. And shortly after that, Spafford left by ship on his way to where his beloved four daughters had drowned. Now, now you talk about trouble. You, you've, you've lost all of your money. Come on, somebody. You lost all of your money. You made a huge bet, and here's this, this fire that happens. You, you lose the majority of your money. You've already lost a son, and now you send your wife and four daughters, and now you lose your four daughters as well. And when he got to the spot where the ship had sank, he penned these words. When peace, like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's reconciled to your circumstances, beloved. I don't know if I could get to over to Europe and I get to the spot where I just lost my four daughters and everything that's happened to me over the last couple of years. I don't know if I would have the strength to be able to say that I've got peace like a river, even though that the storm billows were whatever my lot. Thou has taught me to say it is well. It is well with my Oh, somebody's got an eternal perspective then. It's not about these circumstances. It's about your soul. And then he, he goes on to say, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part. Come on, somebody. But the whole is nailed to the cross 
and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. He has moved from the circumstances that he has had that are devastating for him to start thinking about what God did for him at the cross of Calvary and all that he has in Jesus Christ. All of the spiritual blessing to be able to be seated in heavenly places. I'm telling you, this is how you know a brother was reconciled to circumstance and says, I got to remain in this place and I got to learn what God wants me to learn. I don't know what he wants to show me. I don't know. I don't know what he wants to show others. I don't know what he wants me to know about himself. I don't know what he wants to grow in me, but I have to have the right perspective. And this, this last verse, he says, and Lord haste the day when my faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. You got to be reconciled to your circumstances, your God and with others. Praise God. He's made provision for you to be able to do that. He provides the, the Holy Spirit to provide sweet comfort for you, even in a place of trouble. And then like Gideon, then you can go on and get that last thing that the Lord is able to do as Jehovah Shalom when he shows up. It's not just that he reveals your favor. It's not just that he removes your fear. It's not just that he rebukes your flesh. He will rekindle your flame your head is down and you're discouraged you're depressed even you don't even like to use that word but but you know that's what it is you I've been in that place I've thrown so many pity parties that I just don't even have the same I got to use the same dishes and over and over because I I've run through all of the dishes that I could if you came over right now, you want to have a pity party with me, I have to clean some dishes because I've been using them. I can't go to the cupboard. I got to go to the sink and say, we're going to have another party. Let me wash these out. Because if you start to think about your life, or I do, and sometimes I, I can get to a place where I think it's just I'm overwhelmed with trouble. I'm overwhelmed and, and distressed thinking about family, thinking uh, about the church. The, the church is it's, it's, it's a burden. The burden for people is not a burden I would wish on anybody else. But I carry you with me here, but I carry you with me here on my shoulders. And there is a, there is a burden that can never be removed. It can only be shared. That's why you need a multiplicity of leadership. But that burden is there. And you could get in a place where your head is down and you are dejected because you are thinking about all of your trouble. But you're forgetting who God says you are. You're forgetting that God is the one that makes you to lie down in green pastures. You're forgetting that God has already paved the way for you to be reconciled to him, reconciled to others, and reconciled to your circumstances you're forgetting that God is telling you no matter what is going on in your life it is well with your soul and then he'll rekindle your flame he'll work with you like he that's what I love about God he worked with a brother you know what I'm saying 
I, got, I know a lot of folks that don't want to work with a brother. Well, got to work with a brother. You know what I'm saying? Gideon is, is fits and starts, and God is encouraging him. He's rekindling his flame. He said, okay, I understand that you did it at night. And then Gideon says, I need to put the fleece out and do this and that. And God, I'm going to work with a brother. Okay. You still got fear. You, you, you still got anxiety. You still don't know. You're still not convinced. But when God did what he did and he find, Gideon finally got it, Gideon worshiped and then Gideon became, he went from a weakling to a warrior. And then he became what God said he already was. And that's exciting to see the transformation of somebody like Gideon, and it's even more exciting to me to see the transformation of you from what your circumstances tell you you are to you being what God told you you are. Peace. Shalom. Go through the scripture every time the, you know, the, the greeting is always you know mercy and peace peace is important you need peace in your life why because if you don't have trouble right now trust me trouble's coming there's only three positions in life you're either going to find, you're getting ready to go into trouble you're in the trouble or you just came out of trouble there's really no other place to be. Trouble is coming. It's constant. And particularly if it's coming from trial, truth, and training, you need to be ready to remain. And like Horatio Spafford, you need to be able to say, no matter what tragedy I have in my life, no matter what I see, I got to be able to know that God is holding me in his hand. And it is well with my soul. Father, in the name of Jesus.